Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time to jump in. Let's buckle up and take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping our news today, we look at the cattle on feed report released by USDA recently. It caught some folks by surprise. The placements number especially. We were looking for placements to actually drop a bit. However, they increased, meaning we've got more cattle going into the feedlots, and the markets have reacted negatively to that somewhat bearish report. We'll take a look at that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Cotton farmers in the Texas High Plains are being advised don't get in a rush to bring the growing season to a close. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Now is the time to start planting winter forages depending on location in the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cotton harvest is drawing to a close in the lower coastal bend. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released a bearish cattle on feed report Friday, surprising the market with a larger than expected placements number. Analysts were expecting about a 1% decline in placements this month, but the report showed about a 2% increase. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum runs down the numbers in the report. The number on cattle on feed on September 1st was just over 11.2 million head, which was about 1% below a year ago. During August, there were 2.1 million head of cattle placed on feed, which was about 2% above a year ago. And during August, about 1.9 million head of cattle were marketed, which was about unchanged from 2020. Now, those are nationwide numbers. When you look at what's happening right here with Texas feedlots, you get a different picture. There were fewer cattle and calves in Texas feedlots at the start of the month, according to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. There were 2.7 million head in Texas feedlots with a capacity of 1,000 head or more on September 1st. That's down 5% from the same time last year. USDA reports producers placed 395,000 head in commercial feedlots in August. That's down 10% from a year ago. The majority of those cattle that were placed in Texas feedlots weighed under 600 pounds. Texas commercial feeders marketed 400,000 head during August. That's down 7% from 2020. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. There is some much-needed rain in the forecast for many areas of Texas this week. Kyla Hamilton and her husband farm northwest of Lubbock, and she says the rainfall situation this year has been anything but normal. 
just a very strange year in terms of rainfall. We not only got more amount, but the timeliness of them almost hurts us sometimes worse than than the amount. But it just, man, we got that plant rain. We got some rain in August to kind of push you along. It's just, it's been a huge blessing to have those, just those little showers that come in and just keep everything nice and green and perky and, and growing like crazy. And that has been a huge morale booster. Farm morale this year is higher than it has been in a long time because the rain coupled with the higher prices that we're looking at, I mean, it just, it's really nice. It really, you you almost forget how good a good year can feel when you take so many bad in a row. So we're just taking it and trying to breathe it all in. Hamilton says they're busy getting sunflowers harvested on their farm this week while trying to get the winter wheat crop in the ground. The Texas cotton crop has been running behind all year long, and as harvest moves north through the state, growers are being advised to avoid getting in a hurry to finish out this crop. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says the cotton crop in our area is in the later stages of maturation, but it's too soon to think about bringing the season to a close. We have cotton with the bowls opening across the panhandle. In most areas, though, we are not ready for a harvest aid application. We're definitely getting into the true fall experience with some much cooler days coming, but Dr. Bell says time is still needed to allow those cotton bowls to fully develop. We're still several weeks out from harvest, and when we talk about the final stages of cotton maturity and getting that cotton ready to strip, we really want to pay attention to the maturity stage of that bowl. If producers get overly anxious, apply a bowl opener, which is a chemical that just helps that bowl pop, as well as a defoliant to drop the leaves too soon, they will stop the maturity of those later bowls, and they can take a pretty significant hit in their cotton quality. Now, as for how area cotton is looking right now, Dr. Bell says, just like we talked about with corn yesterday, she's seeing a mix out in the fields. Some cotton, especially irrigated cotton, is doing pretty well. But Dr. Bell says the lack of rain in recent weeks will mean lost production for some of our dryland producers. One more note for area cotton farmers, Dr. Bell says, scout your fields. All of a sudden, there are a lot of stink bugs out there. In visiting with our entomologists in Lubbock, they say that this is still a period when cotton can be susceptible to injury. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Now is the time to plant winter grasses, such as ryegrass, oats, and wheat for winter grazing. Tom Nicoletti has some advice from a Texas A&M forage expert. My guest today is Dr. Vanessa Olson with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service in Overton in East Texas, and she's here today to uh, talk about that uh, we uh, are at the beginning of uh, the fall season, and uh, this is the time, uh, Vanessa, that producers need to be planting those winter forages uh, to prepare for that time of the year in a few months, right? Yes, I realize when we're still warm and our warm season perennial grasses are still growing, it's really hard to think about winter, but now is the time to be planting any cool season annual forages such as annual ryegrass, any of our small grains, rye, wheat, oats, or even any cool season annual forages. So often a lot of us don't think about needing any winter forages until we've run out of hay. And so I get a lot of calls frequently in late December when we've already passed 
really the best opportunity for planting. So if you anticipate the need for any winter forages to graze ryegrass or small grains, now is definitely time to be planting. Yeah, now in September and in early to mid-October to uh, alleviate any uh, issues in the winter months, December, January, and February when uh, they'll have hay, but uh, then again, they may, may run out of hay by then. Correct. So we always recommend planting about six weeks prior to your average frost date. So obviously that can vary depending on where you live in the state or where your property is. If we wait until past that frost date, it just reduces our forage yield potential, how much forage we can actually grow during that winter season. And then it also pushes our production later. So we're not going to have a lot of production right at planting time. We want to plant in advance so we can then graze those forages during that winter season and, and on into the spring as well. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio. Network. Cotton harvest is about wrapped up in the lower coastal bend. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. The 2021 cotton season was filled with more than its usual weather-related challenges. Here in South Texas, it started out very dry, very marginal planting conditions. That was followed by a hard freeze that gripped across the whole state of Texas, ice storm in early February, and that was followed in May and June by unseasonably heavy rains that resulted in some field flooding. But now it's September and the crop is coming to a close. It's estimated that over 95% of the Coastal Bend cotton crop has been harvested at this time. And fortunately for Coastal Bend growers, it's turned out to be a better yielding cotton crop than was earlier expected during mid-growing season. Yields for these non-irrigated farming areas of cotton have been ranging between a bale and a half to two and a quarter bales per acre, with occasional reports of some better fields crowding that three-bale mark. Now, the 2021 weather challenges did result in one major anomaly for South Texas cotton crop. And for the first time in more than 60 years, the first bale of new crop cotton was not harvested by a lower Rio Grande Valley cotton grower. This year, that distinction went to Priestley Farms, a partnership operation operated by Walter Priestley and his partners, Larry and Chris Hellman. And they managed to get the first bale of cotton out on July the 18th at a time when most Coastal Bend farmers were completing grain sorghum harvest. Now, that is approximately three weeks earlier than the start of cotton crop in a normal year here in the Coastal Bend. And the day after harvest, it was hauled to the King Ranch Incorporated Gin east of Kingsville to where it was ginned. And later that day, brought to the officials who operate the first bale program in Harlington. Now, the variety of cotton grown was Fibermax 1830, a short season type cotton that uh, is very well adapted to the coastal bend. And now we're at the end of September and the gala sponsored by the cotton industry folks down in the Rio Grande Valley will be offering that first bale of cotton grown by Priestley Farms in its annual scholarship fundraiser. And that is scheduled to take place here before the end of the month. Now, our report from the Corpus Christi Cotton Classing Office shows that more than 4,000 bales have been ginned here in South Texas, and for most South Texas ginning operations, they have enough cotton on inventory to keep them active through the end of November. 
Congratulations again to Priestley Farms of Nueces County for producing the first bale of cotton in the United States for the 2021 season. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area for Texas Ag Today. Something is causing a decline in wild turkey numbers in an area along the Texas-Oklahoma border. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And ivermectin poisoning is a big issue nowadays with the drug being used and probably abused in treating COVID-19. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We've all heard in the news about people using ivermectin to treat COVID-19. We've also heard in the news that the number of ivermectin poisoning cases has gone through the roof because of that. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on the issue. Ivermectin is believed by some doctors and scientists that it is effective in the treatment of COVID-19. Ivermectin is an antiparasitic drug used in many different species of animals and in humans for parasite control. However, it is not FDA approved for treatment of COVID-19. And although lots of folks are using it, it is not known whether it is effective in treatment of COVID-19 or not. With a larger number of people using the drug and having it in their homes, there's an increased risk of toxicity in some dogs. Ivermectin is commonly used for control of heartworms in dogs and other parasites in dogs, and is very safe in most dog breeds. However, there are some dogs that are very susceptible to the drug and can become toxic with only a small amount being ingested. Some breeds of dogs have a gene called MDR1, and this gene allows a greater influx of the drug into the brain than in normal dogs. Dogs that are MDR1 positive can become toxic on a very small amount of the drug, and ivermectin in livestock and horse deworming products is very concentrated. So only a small amount can lead to toxic symptoms, including wobbling, dilated pupils, drooling, vomiting, blindness, seizures, and a decreased heart rate. Collies are the most common breeds affected, but Australian Shepherds, Shelties, and other herding breeds are also susceptible. Long-haired whippets and silken wind hounds are also affected more than other dogs. So if you have ivermectin in your home in any form, keep it away from your dogs, as it can be deadly to some susceptible dogs, even with a very small amount of exposure. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Something is causing a decline in wild turkey numbers along the Texas-Oklahoma border. Jessica Domel explores why in today's Wildlife Report. An area along the Texas-Oklahoma border near Childress has seen a decline in wild turkey numbers. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department trapped about 120 wild turkeys in the Collingsworth, Hardeman, and Cottle counties area and sent samples for testing to the lab. But there was nothing that caused any sort of alarm in those tests. Jason Harden, TPWD's wild turkey program leader, says the reduction in wild turkey numbers in that area may be related to the drought of 2011. 
drought has an impact on most of our ground nesting birds. We just don't see the reproduction and the recruitment, and we know that had an impact. But across most of the rest of the state, around 15 and 16, we saw that population rebound and actually expand to numbers that we hadn't seen in a long time. Those numbers have gone back down, but the rolling plains never saw that bump that we saw across most of the rest of the state. So we have some concerns up there, but we want to do our due diligence, do our research, try to see if we can identify what the issue is. The decline has prompted Oklahoma to reduce their wild turkey bag limits and season length. We're not looking to reduce seasons and bag limits yet. We are proposing some additional research to look at if there are issues with loss of those historic roost sites along some of our major riparian areas and see if maybe there are changes in habitat or crop regimes in that area. So trying to figure out what's going on on that landscape, why those birds aren't responding to favorable conditions that, you know, we should have seen that population rebound before we go in and start impacting regulations in that area. But that may be a step we have to take at some point in the future if those numbers don't turn around. That was Jason Harden with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. As we mentioned earlier in the show, that negative cattle on feed report Friday has had the cattle market back on its heels all week long so far. But there seems to be no top in sight for the cotton market as we move well above a dollar. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market continues to feel the pressure this week from that negative cattle on feed report on Friday. We closed lower on both live and feeder cattle on Wednesday. October live cattle dropped 22 cents, 121.77. The December down 45 at 127.05. February live cattle down 50 cents, 131.82. Same story on the feeder market. September feeder cattle down 12, 154.27. October feeders down $1.50, 154.62. November feeder cattle down $1.77, $155.27. Cash-fed cattle trade on Wednesday saw the Packers bidding $122, the feedlots asking $125. We did see some sales in the online fed cattle exchange. 494 head of Texas cattle sold. They brought $124. Box beef was mixed Wednesday. Choice was down $254, $299.02. Select up $0.06 at $274.41. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's a glass of iced tea and a livestock market operator report from Kenny Mingus at Milam County Livestock. He sells them every Friday. Kenny, how'd last week's sale go? Larry, we wound up with a 1772 on the count. Had about 350 cows and bulls, 257 sellers, 75 buyers. Market was a little tougher. 
But the good cattle sure brought a lot of money. Let's walk the pins. So with the steer cattle under 300, a dollar 30 to 220, three to 400 pound steers, 111 to 208, four to 500 pound steers, a dollar to 206, and over 570 to a dollar 56. On the heifers under 390 to a dollar 80, uh, on the steer cattle, on the heifers three to 480 to 161, four to 500 pound heifers, 70 to a dollar 42, and over 570 to a dollar 35. Packer cows, outstanding with last week from 20 to 75. Packer bulls from 70 to 98. On your bread cows, from 375 to 1350. And on your cow-calf pairs, from 750 to 1475. What are we anticipating for this week's sales? we got to go get about 90 cows tomorrow from a guy. Most of those cows will be some older cows. Be a few pairs on them. We'll palpate some of them. But the little sell-out deal. I had a guy call yesterday about bringing 40 or 50 calves. But you know, Larry, we got something pretty exciting going on this week around here. What's that? we got a chance of rain starting tomorrow all the way to Friday. That would help our market, I think, tremendously if we can get some places to go with some of these light cattle to get them out on some grain and hopefully we get a rain all over the state or to Oklahoma and get some of these wheat pastures up. And right. I think it will help our producers probably slow these numbers down just a little bit and it help our market all the way around. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. Catch us at the barn Monday through Wednesday at 254-697-6697. Danny, thank you. And neighbor, thank you too for listening to Walking the Pins and me, Larry Marble, on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mixed. The October contract down 87 at 9080. December hogs up to 8360. Class three milk was higher. October up 24 cents, 1788 a hundred weight. November milk up 32 at 1786. The cotton market topped a dollar on Tuesday and continued to climb higher on Wednesday. A lot of factors moving this market higher. Strong demand, fears over the condition of the Texas crop. We've got a lot of rain moving through the state this week. Traders wondering if that's going to affect both the quality and the quantity of our crop in West Texas and the High Plains. We close with December cotton up 191 points, 101.94. March cotton up 204 at 100.74 cents. Both corn and wheat moved higher in Wednesday's trade. December corn up six and a quarter, 539. July Kansas City wheat up five and a quarter, 710 and a half. July Chicago wheat up five and a half at 709 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas dropped 44 cents, 543. November crude oil down 41 at 7488 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed with the Dow up 161 points, 34,461. The NASDAQ down 4, 14,542. The S&P up 14, 4,367. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.